continuing our study through the fruit of the Spirit here at The Journey. And if you have your Bibles, it's again, it's going to be tricky because I'm going to be back and forth through several different passages today. You can turn to Matthew 5. That might be a good place to be. Um, but I'm going to start with reading uh, out of Galatians 5. And the, I just want to read to you the, this list, this list that we've been talking about, these list of words that are to inform us of the work of the Spirit in our, in our hearts. So we are in relationship with God through His Son. And Jesus has sent us, He, he promised to send the Holy Spirit to help us and equip us and enable us to live this life that He's called us to live. So there is fruit of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit that that is listed out in Galatians is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we've considered up to this point the more obvious fruit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, those are the obvious fruit. And today we're starting to consider the lesser-known qualities on that list you know, I bet you if we, if we went and surveyed people that are attending church today, Christians that have listened to sermons their whole life, hey, can you tell me the fruit of the Spirit off the top of your head? Well, I bet you so many of them would be like, love, joy, peace, patience, something, 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 self-control, right? I mean, we, we, we forget about this middle ground here, the, the Nesses. We have four Nesses in here. Uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And so today we're looking at kindness and goodness. You know, when I set out to preach through uh, the fruit of the Spirit, I'm like, kindness and goodness, are those two different sermons or is that one sermon? Well, I landed on one sermon uh, to talk about kindness and goodness. But I, I think that these two often get overlooked. I think these are the first two that we forget on this list of, of the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that's because it's just... Maybe, maybe perhaps they're just too simple, right? I mean, we, again, we think of love and joy and peace and patience. And we think, man, we, we, we have a lot of extravagant thoughts when we think of those big concepts. I mean, those are the words that we put in songs when we write songs. And, and, and patience, man, we can't go a day without patience. We know we need it. And when it comes to just goodness and kindness, I think we think, you know, those are, those are nice thoughts too. Maybe not, perhaps not as big of a deal as love, joy, peace, and patience, but, you know, kindness and goodness, those are good. Those are good. Um, but I think these two qualities are, are perhaps maybe the more underrated, undervalued qualities on this list. But, man, they are so, so important. I, when we think about kindness and goodness, we, we, I think we set them aside, too, just because we think, well, that's not spectacular enough. That's not glamorous enough. <laughs> You know, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to do, make, make a difference here. But you know, when I think about being the salt of the earth or the light of the world, I think so much of that is accomplished through just plain old kindness and goodness. So I want us to think about kindness and goodness in this way. And maybe it would be helpful too to make a distinction between these two words. So one resource I'm reading is by author Jerry Bridges, and he makes a distinction between kindness and goodness. And here's what he says. He says, Kindness is a sincere desire for the happiness of others. Goodness is the activity calculated to advance that happiness. 
So I thought that was a pretty good distinction. Kindness is that, or I mean, goodness is that kindness in action. And so as I kind of thought through that and, and, and examined different passages in Scripture, I think, I think kindness, it's being sensitive to the needs of the people around you. That's what kindness is. Just being sensitive to their needs in addition to your own. And then goodness is doing something about that. You take interest in the needs of others, and then that goodness is when you actually do something to advance that, that care for them, to take it to the next step, right? To actually do something for them and for their interest. And so when it comes to uh, being kind and being good and when it, when it comes to meeting needs, I mean, we're, we're naturally inclined to just take care of our own needs. Right? That kind of goes without saying. Are you, do you have interest in your own needs? Are you, are you sensitive to the, like, the physical, emotional, spiritual needs of yourself? Well, of course. We all are, right? When we have a physical need, we're the first one to know. Right? We, we naturally are inclined to, to be sensitive to our own needs. But here, here's what I think we need to do today. As I'm reading Scripture to you and as we're considering this, think about this question. How sensitive are you to your own needs in comparison to the needs of those around you? How wrapped up are you in your own needs? And then think about that and, to, and compare that to how wrapped up you are in the needs of people living around you. Is, is there any lopsidedness, lopsidedness there? Uh, you know, are you always the most important person in the room? Or are, do you consider others as more significant than yourself, as Paul teaches in, in Philippians 2? He actually goes on to say right after that, right after he says, consider others as more significant than yourselves. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I think he's getting at this, this concept, this notion of goodness and kindness. You know, do, do you actually love your neighbor as yourself? Or is it just about you? Is it always, does it always somehow just come back to you? I think so much of what's peddled as goodness and kindness in our culture today, it, it's just not real. I think it's, I think it's rare to, to come across genuine goodness and kindness a lot of times today. And I think a lot of times we portray ourselves as good and kind. Or we fool ourselves into thinking we are especially kind or especially good. And I think one of the biggest ways that we fool ourselves are, like, I think today's day and age with all the different platforms online, it's, it's kind of skewed how we think and, and how we process goodness and kindness. And I think social media a lot of times has just, it's not so, it, it looks like, it has the appearance of goodness and kindness a lot of times on there, but it's really just, just virtue signaling. Like, I, I think there's more virtue signaling now than ever in our culture, like, you know, we 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 want to we want to bring make people aware of different issues and different things in our society, but sometimes it's just all about having the deepest concern possible, and it's really just more about how you want others to know how deeply concerned you are about that issue. It's more about that than it is actually doing anything about that issue, right? And so you see so often you know the the outrage when something happens and and the in, when an injustice occurs we want to be we're outraged but for a lot of people it's like i just want everyone to know how outraged i am and and i i'm super outraged way more outraged than you are and shame on you for not being as outraged as i am right and so 
You know, even deep concern for others and being sensitive to the needs of others turns, it, it turns upside down and it really just starts to become about themselves. That's, that's virtue signaling and it's, it's not really goodness and kindness. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually using the needs of others to just draw more attention to yourself. It's using a, a bad circumstance or an injustice uh, or maybe a, a people who are marginalized, using that issue to draw attention to yourself and, and convince others of how great you are and how kind you are and good you are. That virtue signaling is not, that's not really goodness and kindness. And so today, I want us to examine what it really is. You're going to see me battle with this wind up here. Uh, but I want, to, I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about, one, how God has prepared you. you God has prepared you and I for uh, special goodness and kindness in this world. I want to talk about how the best goodness and kindness in this world, I'm going to make an argument that the best goodness and kindness in this world is actually mundane. It's not that exciting, which is why we're not interested in it. And, and the last thing, I want to challenge you to consider different ways in which you can be good and be kind and how you are a means of God's goodness and kindness in this world. So that, those are the three things we're dealing with today as I wrestle my notes up here. So let's get to the first one. God has prepared each and every one of us for goodness and kindness in a special way. Like, I don't, I don't only mean that in a broad sense. He has prepared us for goodness and kindness. I want you to take this in a personal way. If you are a child of God, he has prepared you for goodness and kindness. You. You in particular, as a child of God, he has, he has designed you and prepared goodness and kindness to manifest in this world through you. Really feel, feel how personal that is. I mean... The Spirit does a work in our hearts, gives us new life, inclines our hearts towards Him, and then begins to, God begins to manifest His character in our life. And it's how He displays His goodness and kindness in this world. It's through you, as, as the Spirit lives in you. I want you to think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, a verse I've read a thousand times. But it says this so clearly. I have an Old Testament passage for you as well that says the same thing. But in Ephesians 2, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're actually created for good works. But listen to what he says about those good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's prepared these good works beforehand. Let me read to you a similar teaching in Psalm 139. Where it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I mean, both these verses, they're saying something more than just like, hey, God knows what's going to happen in your life before it happens. It's saying something more than that, isn't it? It's saying something more than, than it's not saying that God is a good guesser. That uh, It's not saying that he has a crystal ball and he can look down the corridors of time and see what happens before it happens. It's saying something more than that, right? Those words were picked out very carefully. God prepared these works beforehand. It says that God formed these days especially for you. And so the, one of the reasons he has handcrafted 
your days before you lived them was so that he could manifest his kindness and his goodness in this world. Isn't that a joy to understand? Like, what a, what a great teaching to comprehend and to think about. Like, you, you're, you're a vessel of God's kindness and goodness in this world. And so that kindness and goodness is meant to be felt by everyone. So you ever think about that? Like, are you kind? Are you good? And how are you being kind? How are you being good? Who, who, who deserves your kindness? Maybe that's a good way to know uh, how God's goodness and kindness is manifest in your life. Who deserves your goodness? Who deserves the kindness that you churn out in your life? Who, who's deserving of that? Is it, only, is it just people that are good to you? <laughs> Like, what we learn about this goodness and kindness of God, it's distinct in that it's for everyone. The goodness and kindness that God manifests in our hearts, it's for everyone. Even for the bad. Even for people who don't deserve it. I bet you, if we're being really honest here today, we would all admit that there are people in in your life right now that you're like, hmm, they don't deserve my goodness. That person in particular doesn't deserve my kindness. But think about it. Like, goodness and kindness, if you can be good to the people who are good to you, Big deal. Everybody can do that, right? If you can be kind to the people who are kind to you, wow. Like, great, great, great. We can all, anyone can do that, right? Being good to people who are good to you, that just makes sense. Being kind, returning kindness for kindness, that makes sense. But, I mean, returning kindness, in, like kindness or goodness in response to evil, Oh, man, that, does, that doesn't feel natural. But this is the kind of goodness and kindness that, that God manifests in us. This is what, how it's distinct from the rest of the world. So, I mean, I think, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm inclined to be a pretty nice guy. And I am a pretty nice guy. Until someone's mean to me. Then I don't feel like being a nice guy anymore, right? You might relate. Like, I'm really nice until someone's mean to me. And I can get mean in a hurry, right? What's our saying in our, in our culture? What goes around comes around. And when someone's mean to us, we make sure that it comes around. Like, oh yeah, it's going to come around because I'm coming around. So this is, the kind of, this is the kind of goodness and kindness that I want us to think about today as well. Like God's goodness and kindness, it is for everyone and it's distinct and that it even is felt, it's even felt by people who don't deserve it. And the reason for this is because that is how God shows his kindness and goodness. In Luke chapter 6, verses 35 through 36, Jesus is teaching there and he says, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. And then here's the reason. For he is kind to the ungrateful. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. We can be kind to the ungrateful. We can be kind to evil. Because that's who God is. That's, that's his character. That's what he does. And so we are called to live out our life with this godly character. And that's, that's how he works. He shows kindness to us when we're ungrateful. He shows kindness to us when we are evil and we're, sin- or we're sinful. He's still kind to us. That's the kind of kindness we need to show to other people in the world. The kind of goodness. And so it's not just... Not wishing bad on someone. It's further than that. It's, it's actually showing them kindness and goodness. That's hard. I know, I know right now, like, you might be thinking of that person in your life that's just done you so wrong. The person in your life that's just like, ah, oh, stabbed you in the back. Or 
And, and you cringe. You cringe at the thought of being nice to them. You cringe at the thought of showing them kindness and goodness. It just it makes, makes your, you know, the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It's just so hard to think about. Like, it's because it's not natural, like, right? I mean, and I think that, that can be confirmation that God is working out his character in you when you can be kind. Matter of fact, I think when we feel that struggle, I think we know God's at work in our hearts. When we feel that struggle... To be good to somebody who has not been good to us, that's hard. But that's how we know it, that God's doing a work in our hearts, I believe. So, I mean, if you can only be good to the people that are good to you or only be kind to the people that are kind to you, how, how are we different than anyone else in this world? I, I want to I read to you in Matthew 5 because that is not an original thought. If I ever have an original thought, you'll know it. <laughs> it's not that good. So here, here's Jesus. You know, that, that passage I just read in Luke chapter 6, that's when Jesus was preaching. In, in Luke chapter 6, it's called the Sermon on the Plain. He preached the same sermons a lot and as he traveled in different areas, and he's in a plane there. And, and so in Matthew, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's at the Mount. It's at a mountain. And so, and so the, the same sermon when he's talking about loving your enemies, in Matthew's account of that portion of the sermon, he actually adds to it there. He says... And so let me read to you the part I read out of Luke. It says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And then listen, listen to what he says. He gives more reason. For he, speaking of God, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Then he says that big intimidating verse, you, ther- you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And God's perfect character, he shows love and kindness and goodness to the ungrateful and to the evil. And as he works out his character in us, we will do the same. This, should, this concept, this, this mentality should bleed into every aspect of our lives as we prayerfully consider these good works and this kindness that should manifest. It should manifest everywhere. And so these were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The reason Paul says you should walk in them, he's pointing out the fact that, again, that it's not, it doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be spectacular. It's just a way of life. When you get up and you walk every day, or struggle to walk like Bill is here recently. <laughs> so it's a, it's a way of life. I'm just going to keep pointing you out, Bill, just because I know it embarrasses you. <laughs> oh, that's fun. It's a way of life. It should be how we get up and how we think and how we live. Whatever it is that we're doing that day. It's, this kindness and goodness should just manifest naturally. It's our day, daily duty. It's the little things that matter when it comes to goodness and kindness. I mean... If, if your goodness and kindness, when you think of God's goodness and kindness manifesting in your life, if it's only reserved for that special mission trip to China, right? That's just one week out of the year. It's just one little moment. What about every day when you get up and live for God every single day? Is that goodness and kindness manifesting in your life? So this, the kind of things I think we need to consider are like your, your vocation, your job. Is God's goodness and kindness manifesting where you work? Why? What's stopping that? Why, why or why not? Are you loving your enemies where you do your job? 
Right? Are, are the people that you work with people that you consider more significant than yourself? I mean, are, are you killing them with kindness? Or are you just killing them with that glare? Or <laughs> that attitude? You're just killing them. <laughs> you know, do you, do you love them like you love yourself? The people that you work with? The people that you serve? And whatever it is that you do? We shouldn't reserve kindness and goodness for the special moments. Kindness and goodness is a way of life. It's like breathing. It should be a, a reflex, right? So we need to start meeting the needs of others and being sensitive to their needs wherever we are. Imagine this. Like if you think about your vocation, if you start to think of your, your vocation as an opportunity to display God's goodness and kindness... Doesn't that change things like you're getting paid to show God's goodness and kindness when you start to think like that? What a joy it is that you you have an opportunity to show God's goodness and kindness in the ordinary times. It's the ordinary mundane times of life. I think these these are the, the, the ways that God's goodness and kindness should always be flowing through us. Whatever you're doing, as, as Peter says, as each of you received a gift, use it to serve one another. That's what that's how our minds should be working. So how has God gifted you? Are you, you? are you using that giftedness to show his kindness and goodness to other people? You know, what, what is it that you're good at? What do you, what do you know a lot about? What, what, what do you know a lot about? And are you, you, are you leveraging that knowledge for the kingdom of God to point people towards him? What, what's your skill set? These are the things that we need to think about. The ordinary mundane moments of life. So that, that's, that's, those are the moments that we should be walking in this goodness and kindness. And so while, good, while God's goodness and kindness is distinct and that it, it, it's even given to the ungrateful and to the evil, it should especially be manifested in the people that like, live with you, right? Those are the first people that should be the recipients of goodness and kindness in your life. That should, again, it should go without saying that your family and your church family should be first and foremost when it comes to displaying goodness and kindness in your life. That's actually how Paul teaches it in First Tim, or I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 6. He says, as we have opportunity, let us be good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of the faith. He reminds us, like, are, are you being especially good and especially kind to your church family? You should especially be good and kind to them. And that makes sense. Because of the concept of a family, our understanding of the family. Your immediate family, your immediate family should feel that goodness and kindness more than anyone. That should go, again, that should just be a reflex. Because it's a joy to be good to your family. Right? When, you, when, when you're sensitive to the needs of your family and you see their happiness, that makes you happy. And so it's a joy to meet the needs and to be sensitive to the needs of your flesh and blood family. Like we have a special tolerance for them. We show them good even if they're being knuckleheads. Right? We almost never put family in the enemy category. We give them special treatment because their happiness means a ton to us. So we show them goodness and kindness. It always should start at home, right? I think about like just in the practical ways we, we try to be good to Amanda, the boys and I just try to be good to her. Like, I, I, I'll even, I'll use that. I know the boys love their mom, and so I'll play on their guilt to get results sometimes. And when it comes to cleaning the house, like in the pandemic, we made a, a habit of every Friday 
Friday's my day off, and a lot of times Fridays kids would be at home and, with the pandemic, obviously. And Amanda would still be working at Warren because they went every day. And that, would be, that became our cleaning day. That became our cleaning day. Like every boy got a chore list, and we went on this big cleaning spree every Friday. But it was, but it was less about being sanitary and having to clean home and more about serving mom. That's how I got them to work harder and actually do the chores. This is about mom. We like when mom's happy, right? We like when mom feels good and can relax and enjoy her time at home. She needs a clean house to do this. So get to scrubbing those toilets. Get to running that vacuum. Let's do this. It would always be, it's, it's, it's about mom and serving her, right? And so I'm, I'm, use, I'm playing on that. I'm using that. But I know that her, her joy matters to them. And so they, they'd be more likely to do the chores. I would, I would have to say it fewer times. I'll say that (laughs) when it's about mom. But I mean, it's a joy to meet the needs of the people that you love, your flesh and blood. I mean, this, when a, when a marriage is firing on all cylinders, it's because each person is, is out to serve the other. And it's a joy to serve them. I know like when I do premarital counseling, getting ready to do something with this couple up here. I do premarital counseling. Uh, I, I meet with every couple that I do their wedding. I meet, I meet with them a, a handful of times, two, three times to talk, to try to get them in, in the right frame of mind, to give them the best chance to have a successful marriage. But when I talk to couples that are having problem problems, I'm not a very good counselor. I'll tell you that. You can do a lot better if you're looking for a counselor. But <laughs> when I meet with people, try to help them with the issues that they're going through, here, here's, here's usually the fundamental problem. When couples are having an issue... It's usually the case that both of them see themselves as the most significant person in the relationship, or both of them see one person as the most significant person in the relationship. That's usually the core of the problem. Not every time, but it's often the case that one of those two circumstances is the main root of the issue. If, If both people are starting to see the other person as the most significant person in that relationship, both people are putting the needs of the other person first. That is when you're going to have a healthy marriage. When it's just all about one person or it's all about you, it's always all, all about each other, then that's just full of, that's just going to leave you exhausted. It's just going to cause trouble. But a gospel centered marriage, it enables us to put the other person first. Right? We've di- we, we deny ourselves, we're empowered to. To put them first and just imagine if every, imagine, now, now I say that like it's so easy, right? Like we don't wake up every day, even, even the, the healthy marriages, we don't wake up every single day like, man, I can't wait to put my spouse first today. You know, <laughs> like we have to be intentional about that. That takes a lot of work, right? We have, to, we have to decide to do that every day. But man, when it happens, that is when a marriage is firing on all cylinders. This goodness and kindness that is manifested in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Like that should start at home. You should start with your relationship with your spouse. And it should, it, it should be very obvious in your relationship with your family. All right, those anniversary cruises are great, but you're not going to get there unless the little moments add up through, through the, the weeks and years to those moments, right? You know, I'm putting it a thousand times nicer than Paul does. I'm trying to be so nice. And here's what Paul, here's what Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially a member of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He's like, man, if you're not good and kind to your family, you're the worst of the worst. 
I'm just tell you straight up. Paul is just like, cow. I mean, he just like he just really lays it out there in your face, just flings it right in your face. Like, what is wrong with you? Of course, you should be taking care of the immediate needs of your of your family. Come on. And that mentality, though, as Paul continues to teach, that mentality is supposed to transfer to your church family. Just like taking care and being sensitive to the needs of your immediate family at home should be a reflex. It is a reflex. Well, when you're a part of a church community, taking care of each other's needs here, that should also be a reflex. Hey, I need help doing this. Cool, cool. Let's, let's help. Hey, I got a problem. Oh, man, let me help. Of course, first and foremost, we want to take care of the household of God. Show goodness and kindness to everyone, but especially his people, right? We, have a, we should have a special tolerance for the people in church community, just like we have that special tolerance for our family at home. So as a church community, there can be knuckleheads. There can be people that are just butts. <laughs> and we, we especially want to show them goodness and kindness anyway. I didn't point any fingers to make eye contact there. This should be a reflex, right? We want to meet the needs of God's people to his glory. So I think there's a, I think there's a, a flow. With each, with, with each one of these character traits, with each one of these qualities, there's a flow. It, it comes from our relationship with God. It's who he is, and we want to display his character in our life, and he works out his character in our life. So, so it, first and foremost, all of these qualities should manifest at home where you're living. And we want, to, we want to show special kindness and goodness to our immediate family. And then we want to take our family and join up with other families who believe in the same kindness and goodness of God. And we want to use our family to show special goodness and special kindness to families who are in the household of God. Serve each other in a special way like we serve our household in a special way. And then... After all of that, we can collectively partner with other families to take that same goodness and that same kindness to be sensitive to the needs in this cruel, cruel world where so many people don't care and aren't sensitive at all to the needs and to the concerns and to the issues and to the injustices that are taking place in our world every day. We're to do this together. We unite together. It starts with our relationship with God, and then it goes to the home, and then it comes to the church, and then it goes out into the world. This is how God has designed these qualities, and he does this for his glory, not ours. He is doing this so that this world can, can feel his kindness, can feel the concern that he has and the love that he has for, for the people of this world. And so that the world can feel the goodness in practical, small, mundane, everyday uh, ways of life. And so collectively, we want to prayerfully work together to do this, to, to meet each other's needs and to meet the needs of the world all to the glory of God. This is, this is why he wants us to bear this fruit so we can take care of each other and take care of others. I mean, so many people not living in community, not feeling like they're a part of a community that is actually concerned for them. I meet so many people day to day just in our community. I mean, we all know people like this. Like if things are going wrong in their life, like they have nobody. And then when a church community can, you know, rally around a family and help them out in a time of need and show them kindness and goodness, expecting nothing in return, 
man, maybe they start to feel the kindness and goodness of God in that situation. And we begin to see the, the kingdom expand in a special way because we are the means of God's kindness and goodness by his grace and by his power. This is the means by which God shows this quality to the world. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity and a season of teaching just to consider the kindness and, and goodness and these different qualities of the, of the work of the Spirit in our lives, Lord, that we can pause and, and reflect on just the simple ways in which we live, the things that we often overlook, the, the ways that we overlook that, Lord, we should be taking advantage of. It's so often, Lord, that we think that we're not, we think that we are not doing anything for the kingdom because we're looking for some spectacular, glamorous, self-glorifying, you know, act of, of goodness to impress others or to put our, or showcase our goodness and kindness, Lord, but that's not the kind of goodness and kindness that you bear in your people. It's, it's, it's just through the, you know, the mundaneness of day-to-day life. So help us to take special notice of those small opportunities to show your kindness, to, to show a concern, a genuine heartfelt concern for others, to be sensitive to their needs. Lord, so many needs don't get met because they aren't even noticed because we're so wrapped up in ourselves. So Lord, help us to be more selfless. Help us to be those who are sensitive to, to the needs of others in a way that we can, we can meet those needs and care for people and they can feel your love and your kindness Of course, Lord, all to your glory alone. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.